Hello and welcome to episode 27 of the Pixel Swim podcast. This is the podcast where we take a dive into design and technology and where they meet, plus other tidbits I find interesting. My name is Steve Heinrich, the host. Uh, this is being recorded on July 24th, Tuesday, July 24th. 2018 and will be released on Thursday, July 26, 2018. As always, visit pixelswim.com for all the show notes uh, and social links if you want to connect up via the interwebs. And yeah, just for any other information uh, about me or the podcast. So yeah, pixelswim.com for that. So let's dive into our my my weekly notes <laughs> and feedback. So uh, I just wanted to say thank you again to Tom Stewart for being on the last episode. Super great guest. Always enjoy talking to Tom. By always, I mean twice. <laughs> He's been on the podcast twice. So I've we've had two pretty good chats. So and people seem uh, to enjoy Tom. And I, I know I, I certainly did before uh, he was on the podcast on when he was on the phone show chat and stuff like that. So uh, thanks again, Tom. And I just also want to say thank you again to Frank Neathart. Uh, literally before I started recording today, like right before, I ran out and checked the post, the mail, and uh, the case for the Lumia 1020 is in it. The leather uh, folio case that Frank sent over that he had found for the Lumia 1020, it arrived, uh, brown leather. It's uh, really nice. <laughs> I've actually never had a leather case or anything to that effect, not even like the the fake leather. So thank you, Frank, for that. I really appreciate it. This is a really nice case, and it's it's probably going to stay on my on my 1020. So, um, yeah, I really appreciate that. Also in Windows Phone news this week, uh, speaking of the 1020, I actually had a little bit of a, uh, it's not a debacle, <laughs> debacle, uh, whichever way you say that. Uh, I think there's somebody out there who corrected my pronunciation. So debacle, debacle, uh, you let me know. <laughs> anyway, so uh, there's an app called Tiles for Outlook for Windows 10 mobile that I really, really love. Um, and mostly for one feature and basically, well, it's got a lot of good features, but my favorite feature on it is, uh, the fact that you can add an, a, your calendar, your, whatever you have connected up to your outlook calendar on windows 10 mobile, you can add, uh, your, your next three agenda items to the lock screen or, and the glance screen. So, yeah, I mean, they kind of go hand in hand, but so it's a really nice feature because on Android, I actually use a widget called Next4 Agenda. And it basically puts a widget on the home screen that's just a nice, easy, simple textual representation of your upcoming agenda items from your calendar. So it's really handy. And so on Windows 10 Mobile, I use this Tiles for Outlook. But with that said, uh, this week I actually... Uh, factory reset my Lumi 950 uh, just to give it a nice, good, fresh start. I was noticing a couple little bugs. Usually, sometimes after you know the monthly update, you notice little things here or there. So I just did a factory refresh, and I noticed that the Tiles for Outlook app was no longer available in the Microsoft Store. So that was kind of a bummer. Um, I I reached you know at first i <laughs> i thought you know maybe i could find it somewhere online maybe i was mistaken but it, yeah it was officially removed from the store i couldn't find it anywhere official so 
I reached out to the developer, which they go by Wokan Solutions, and they did not get back to me. I <laughs> reached out last week, and uh, it's strange and odd, but I have I actually went to the Twitterverse and was looking to ask people if it was possible because I still have tiles for Outlook on my my Alcatel Idol 4S. And so I thought maybe there was some way to pull it off of the Idle 4S in, you know, some sort of install package and sideloaded it on and sideload it onto the Lumia 950. Uh, re- and Steve Litchfield actually responded. Thanks, Steve, for that. Uh, that no, <laughs> not pos- probably not possible. So I uh, kind of was, you know, scrapping that idea. I had found an XDA post about backing up apps, you know, and keeping the files locally and then potentially repackaging those backups into an install file it just you know i hadn't had time to really dive into that idea but i do not have (laughs) high hopes that that would actually work so but uh like i said i reached out via twitter and not long after that the developer got back to me wokan solutions wakan i'm not sure how they pronounce it but that they 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 did not remove the app from the store that microsoft had actually removed it uh, because I guess there was a blurry icon or something, and so Microsoft decided to pull it from the stores. But the developers did say that they were going to put it back up, uh, and you know, with they were going to do create some updates or you know implement some updates to the app and then repost it on the store. So hopefully it'll be back. I'm super glad that they got back to me. I appreciate that. It's oh yeah. I mean, it's not a deal breaker, but it's just you know. Nice to to have that on on or in the repertoire of apps that are, you know, the dwindling repertoire of apps for Windows 10 mobile. So and like I said, it's a super useful app because it's, you know, a ton of customizations. I definitely suggest you check it out. I'm going to link to because I can't link to the app itself. It's currently not available, but I'm going to link to an all about Windows phone uh, review of it that Steve Litchfield wrote. So, uh, and you can check out kind of what I mean. Um, there's a lot of other features in it, but the, the big one is the next, you know, showing the next three agenda items on the lock screen and glance screen. So, yeah, so <laughs> not, you know, a little bit of an adventure there. Not really. <laughs> but yeah, that's, I think that's all I have for windows phone this week as far as my phone week goes i still have my sim in the moto x4 not really seeing any good reason to pull it out at the moment but yeah so i have a few other articles here that i found this week uh that kind of go into the realm of you know design and technology and kind of where they overlap a little bit i want to make sure (laughs) i don't get too much into the phone and you know too much phone talk but the first one Uh, that I saw this week. It was on Gizmodo, and it was called The One Thing Windows Vista Did Right. And so, uh, yeah, if you know Windows Vista version of Windows, I believe it came out around 2007, or after it was the (laughs) quote-unquote successor to Windows XP. And so, uh, the wow starts now is that was a big the big tagline for windows vista and there was a lot of interesting things about it uh and and this article on gizmodo kind of goes over the one thing that 
in their opinion, that Windows Vista did right. I thought that, you know, I honestly didn't mind Windows Vista, but I'm a big, you know, you really had to tinker and and work around a lot of things in Vista and and go into a lot of administrative things and, and registry keys to get things to to work, you know, properly. So again, not to mention Windows Phone too much, but that's kind of where we're at with Windows Phone now. So, but okay, teasing, I keep saying the one thing Windows Vista did right, they, according to Gizmodo, and I agree with this, um, is that they brought in the a lot of translucent and they brought in basically brought in the the glass theme into the like the arrow theme into windows uh which was you know the the see-through elements in the ui and that's you know and it was it was pretty interesting i thought it was interesting in vista i thought it was a really nice feature of course most of the pcs that i had at the time uh, could not handle this <laughs> graphically, you know, I mean, it takes a little bit of uh, processing power and GPU to make that happen uh, smoothly all the time. So uh, I know I used to turn off all the the window animations and and stuff like that. I never really had on the transparency too much, uh, even though I thought it was cool. So yeah, they do. Windows Vista did introduce that. I don't know that they did it right uh the drop shadows in windows vista in my opinion were kind of garish you know there was they were very a little too dark you know i mean you look at windows 10 and windows even windows 7 uh and even a little bit of windows 8 the drop shadows have they're much more subtle they're still there but they are much more subtle and and not so you know <laughs> not so dark uh, essentially so but yeah check out the article on gizmodo to read a little bit more about that it kind of goes into a little bit of how this transparent trend is you know making its way across all a lot of operating system uis including apple and android and and everything you know everything that every os that you you know a lot of a lot of the os's today are using this transparency thing and so they're trying to you know, give credit to Windows Vista for bringing this in. So, and one more thing about Windows Vista is I know it's, it was probably cheesy to most people, but the, the, uh, the card stack multitask view where it's essentially put all your wind. I don't know how to describe it, but if you use Vista, this is one of the big things, you know, kind of visual things that they did was, you know, the, the Windows tab interface was basically all of your windows kind of tilted into card view and you could flip through them um i thought that was cool <laughs> i don't i'm not i don't really you know it wasn't super useful but it was kind of an interesting idea and if you look at android now you know that there's a lot of card based things uh in android you know especially the multitasking view and uh Chrome on Android also uses a card-based thing, which isn't too dissimilar, you know? So uh, let's give a little credit to Vista for that um, <laughs> while we're at it, Gizmodo. Anyway, uh, yeah, check out the article. I'll put a, sh a link in the show notes to that Gizmodo article. And uh, another article that I saw was on Android Police, and it was, uh, it's entitled, Netflix is launching a new TV interface starting today. 
Uh, and today was actually July 18th. So that was <laughs> uh, six days ago. But well, six days ago, when you when you're listening to this, it'll be eight days ago. So uh, I guess Amazon is redesigning their interface for television sets for smart TVs and stuff like that uh, to be more remote control friendly, which <laughs> uh, it's always welcome. Uh, if you take a look at the article, there's a kind of a preview image at the top and you can see that there's a simple tab system on the left side of the screen and I think that makes sense uh, a lot of it I know I know on my TV which is a Philips TV that or the the TV upstairs is a smart TV so we that's part of the reason why we got it is because it has a Netflix Netflix app on it and so I don't know if our TV is going to get this <laughs> update or not but we shall see but Hopefully we can I will be able to see this new interface update. It looks like it makes more sense. And like you said, like I said, <laughs> it's uh, more remote friendly, uh, TV remote control friendly. So always good to see updates like that. That makes sense and not just for no reason. So functionality, especially with Netflix on a TV, is a little bit of a struggle, in my opinion, from what I've, you know, had experience with so far. But and I know on the TV we have, like I said, the Philips TV is it's a little bit slow and clunky. So I don't know if I want the update. <laughs> Usually they don't account for that thing. They always account for, you know, higher spec hardware. I, I couldn't even tell you what kind of hardware, you know, or what it's running on. All I know is, is it's a Philips TV with some apps on it, you know, for streaming of music and TV and Netflix and, and stuff like that. So. Check out the article in the show notes, so the the link in the show notes for that. And that's on Android Police. So, all right. And so the last article that I wanted to share, and and I'll put again a link in the show notes, is via Ars Technica, called Google Video shows a uh, Google Video. Okay, I, the the thing about some headlines is if you put pauses in them, it makes it sound like Google Video is a product, but it's not. So I'm going to fix the headline here. A Google video shows all white redesigns for Gmail, Google Photos, and more. Early mockups give us an idea of what the future of Google apps will look like. Um, this is actually by Ron Amadeo, which I think he actually writes for Android Police too. So if you go to the article, you can see they have kind of a gallery, a small gallery of seven images uh, with side-by-side -side comparisons of apps as they are now and apps with this kind of white interface. <laughs> so it looks like they're highlighting uh, Gmail in the first few images here. And essentially, basically, all of the... If you think about the Gmail app on Android or I think even iOS, the red bar at the top is no longer there. And... Essentially, it's just white from top to bottom and with some other uh, interface changes. But yeah, hopefully, <laughs> I mean, it, I, it looks OK, but I do think it does lose some visual hierarchy, uh, although I never really liked the red bar in Gmail. I think it's really agitating. <laughs> uh, red is, you know, uh, psychologically an agitating color. And so the in Gmail, or at least in this new uh, mock-up of Gmail, it's basically just all white and text, just 
just a lot of white text and icons. And I don't know that I like that because I don't see enough contrast. Um, I think for me, my interfaces like this, where it's mostly just text and a lot of it condensed, it kind of makes it a little bit difficult to discern and discern what you're looking at quickly. So it's it's a little bit taxing. Um, I think personally, this is what I think in a user interface. I think it's a little bit taxing on the user because of all of the text that you have to digest. And uh, if there's not enough of a hierarchy in the text, then it's difficult to quickly scan things. Um, and it could be a little <laughs> bit fatiguing to to go through an interface like this. But with if you take a look at the interface, I can kind of see where this might lead into what everybody would, well, I can't say everybody, but a lot of people would like a dark mode. Um, and I can easily see this being inverted into a dark mode. So with the dark background and then white text. So uh, maybe that's kind of where they're headed with this, hopefully. Um, and this, you know, uh, this kind of tweak to the interface would make it a lot easier for them to create a dark mode and all of the elements for it. So I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> but it's worth taking a look at kind of the idea of what Google's doing here with these, you know, this kind of updated interface change or whatever you want to call it. So these mock-ups, uh, yeah, check that out in the show notes. Uh, I think it's, we'll see if it, this comes to pass. It probably will. Usually these things do eventually show up. So, uh, we shall see. I, I don't know if I'm all for it yet. I'd have to really get my hands on it to make a final judgment, you know, get my hands on it for, you know, a lot, you know, for months at a time or whatever to kind of see if it is uh, good or bad as far as usability. All right. So to go into my kind of main section or main topic this week, I just have one thing, <laughs> I guess you could say it's more of a it's going over a list of things. But I've actually wanted to do this for a little while. Um, and I may have talked about some of these things in the past. And this is phone centric. So, I'm, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I know I talked about not being too phone centric earlier, but this is definitely phone centric again, smartphone centric. And uh, this is actually in reference to a video called a dozen smartphone hot potatoes. And this is phones, the phones show 335. And if you don't know the phone show, I'm not sure if you've <laughs> how you have missed it thus far. If you haven't looked into Steve Litchfield, but he does video reviews on YouTube, and they are called The Phones Show uh, episodes. So this is episode 335, and he goes over the, his uh, top 12 smartphone hot potatoes. <laughs> and basically, these are the kind of the trends that are currently in the like 2018 smartphone world, basically all of the specs and the uh, not necessarily specs, but the the hot topics and kind of the, the the hardware trends for smartphones these days. So I wanted to go over his list and actually kind of comment and and on each one of them. So he did them least controversial <laughs> to most controversial. So um, and then I actually had one and I did comment on I'll put a link to the YouTube video 
in the in the show notes. So if you want to go watch that before I go over this, uh, you can feel free to go ahead and do that right now. And I'll just I'll just wait here um, while you watch the video. All right. So if you're you're back now and you're you're hungry for potatoes because of the appetizing potato images <laughs> in the video. Um, yeah, so let's start with uh, number 12 that Steve uh, went over, which was uh, USB Type-C connections. And so this is a big thing that the uh, smartphones are getting into now. And even little by little, even budget phones are doing this. So not just flagship devices. So yeah, uh, ver this is basically USB Type-C versus micro USB. And I am all for this. Uh, there's nothing, there's not really, other than the, 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 the caveat of there being not as many accessories or, or wires or anything like that uh, sitting around for micro USB because there's not a ton of USB Type-C connections out there, or I should say accessories out there right now. Uh, not nearly as many as micro USB. But... With that said, I'm all for it. Uh, it is a, I have found it to be a much better connection, you know, especially because it's reversible. If you if you've ever used micro USB, you know that there's it, the plug goes in one way, and the the thing that I didn't that I liked the least about micro USB is that sometimes you could uh, unwittingly <laughs> accidentally put the plug in the wrong way, and and you know potentially tear up a, you know your components a little bit so uh usb type c kind of takes care of that and i'm all for it because it's much faster obviously um it just it makes a lot more sense i think it does a lot of things better and i think steve agreed with that on the video it's hard to be against type usb type c uh outside of there not being as many uh accessories for it all right so the second thing or number 11 on his list was fast charging and qi charging is a is another trend that has come into the smartphone world and again this is all leaking down into budget devices again uh not the qi charging yet i think we will see that eventually though so fast charging uh again it's hard not to to love <laughs> either one of these uh the fast charging or the qi charging uh the qi charging in case you don't know is just uh where you can wirelessly charge the device by laying it on a Qi charging pad. So you just set the phone down, it starts charging. And then fast charging just means quicker than usual, <laughs> quicker than old devices. And I am super on board with fast charging. So I'll actually just a little bit about uh, my experience with the Moto X4 and actually any other devices that I've had that have fast charging. Here's kind of how I treat them because I guess, you know, there is a little bit Oh, there's since Steve mentioned in the video about, you know, potentially wearing out your battery uh, by fast charging uh, because of the amount of, you know, it puts more strain on the battery. And so uh, what I do with my Moto X4 and, and other fast charge devices that I had is I'll actually um, and, and really any other device. Uh, this is I, I've been trying to get into this habit of not charging it at night. Um, essentially, you know, leaving it plugged in for eight hours or whatever it is, you know, the the amount of time that you are, you know, knocked out for the night. <laughs> so uh, basically, I just, you know, I keep the I keep the phone unplugged at night. 
And so I wake up in the morning and, and I have the, the, you know, the liberty or the opportunity to do this is, you know, I can then charge the phone during the day. So essentially, I just plug in the device after, you know, I've started working for the day get it all, all the way charged up and I'm good for the day. And usually I get, you know, to the night with plenty left to, you know, that the phone's not going to run out because I use my phone for my alarm. So essentially what I'm trying to accomplish is not, you know, keeping the phone plugged in for extended periods of time, uh, you know, trickle, trickle charging or whatever you want to say or call it. So, um, yeah, fast charging, chi charging, chi charging. Uh, I'm, to be honest, and even though it's been available in the Windows phone world for years now, I really haven't gotten into it until lately. So I actually bought a Qi charger. I think I got it last fall. And so uh, it's currently uh, sitting on my desk. So I will throw my Lumi 950 on there, the Lumi 920. Uh, they both do Qi charging. So, and I'll come back to Qi charging. Uh, another point on that in a little bit, but Let's move on to number 10 on his list, which was NFC and 5 gigahertz Wi-Fi. So he's talking about connections, different connections. And yeah, these are two things that you see more and more on devices. Uh, and NFC, which is near field communication, you can uh, basically it's like a, the biggest thing these days that I've seen. And really the reason that it's, I think, still in devices is the uh, tap to pay with your device. And so I I have um, actually never used the tap to pay uh, with my phone. I uh, there is uh, I know in the in the UK, at least I've been told that they uh, it's, it's essentially ubiquitous uh, in a lot of places and you can spend up to uh, 30 pounds, I believe it is. And uh, I haven't used it over here in the US. There are a ton of places that have tap to pay. Here in the U.S., I've just, you know, never set up my Google Pay <laughs> to actually use it. Um, I still carry around my wallet. And so it's not really, you know, I, I don't use the NFC hardly ever. I do want to get Google Pay all set up. That way I can test it out and, you know, see how I get on with that. And as far as like whether it, you know, uh, I would use that naturally kind of as a payment because right now my hand goes right to my back pocket for my wallet um i know i just gave it gave it away for all the pickpocketers out there but uh, yeah um yeah i still use my you know my card my credit cards and 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 rush to my wallet for payments but yeah five gigahertz wi-fi uh good thing it's good for for devices to have that again all of these are i've noticed they creep into budget devices as well so uh, basically just a uh, different uh, most routers are on 2.4 gigahertz and, and a lot of routers these days offer 5 gigahertz which is just a faster better connection all right so the next thing on the list was SD card expansion and this is again a little bit of a you know slightly controversial uh, as far as uh, phone storage goes. Uh, just right up front, I figured out that 64 gigabytes total is all I need. <laughs> so that's with uh, the phone storage and an SD card. Uh, I am for SD card expansion, especially in the budgeter, until budget devices come with at least 32 gigabytes on board. I think they, that SD cards 
should still be around. I, I think that flagship devices really need to uh, start being at least 128 gigabytes of onboard storage. Um, I do think onboard storage is a better way to do things. I just think that uh, there's always just a constant <laughs> worry that the micro SD card is going to fail. So I'm definitely for devices getting more onboard storage. And like I said, for Android, really 32 gigabytes onboard and then an SD card expansion works for me, which is what I have on the Moto X4 right now. All right, so the next thing on the list is stereo speakers. And uh, Steve actually references uh, a lot of devices coming out with faux stereo, which means that the sound comes out of the earpiece kind of as a tweeter. Uh, the tweeter is, is coming out of the earpiece, and then there's a speaker on the bottom that kind of does all the bass and, and, and the lower frequency stuff. I, I used to think stereo speakers, you know, in the traditional sense were the way that I wanted to go. But really, I just want at least one good speaker. <laughs> so um, I, I listen to podcasts via my phone speaker. Uh, that's my main way to listen to podcasts, because usually during the day when I'm working, I will have a podcast going on my phone and then uh, I work upstairs in my in the townhouse here and then. I go downstairs to the kitchen, you know, for lunch and to get, you know, water, or whatever, water and coffee. And then so I just basically put the phone in my pocket and keep the podcast going and listen to it while I walk around, you know. So a good loudspeaker is is important. So the Moto X4 does a good job. It's not the loudest, um, but I do have the uh, Idle 4S, which is nice and loud, big dual speakers uh, setup. So. Uh, I am a fan of phone speakers, and I think that manufacturers should incorporate good sound from the speaker. I really think it's important. I, a lot of budget devices still have not gotten there. I, I think the Moto G second generation was probably the best budget device sound that I've experienced myself. So, okay, so the next thing on the on his list was waterproofing, and so the the uh, IP sixty seven and sixty eight ratings on devices basically water and dust resistant. So for in my case, uh, I think the biggest uh, issues that I have, I, you know, I don't take my device, you know, out of the house very often. But the uh, rain basically is my biggest thing that I think about when I have a device uh, as far as water and, and getting into the device. Uh, being able to use a device in the rain is super good. Uh, and by which I mean, it's, it's, it's nice not to have to worry about, you know, kind of shielding the device from the rain, um, and worrying about device or water getting in, in, into the device. So waterproofing is definitely a good thing. Uh, but with that said, because I do have a side of me that cares about repairability of a device and usually waterproofing when they waterproof a device, basically uh, the big way that they do it is they use adhesive to basically glue in <laughs> all of the components, uh, you know, most of the components inside, but especially uh, the back and front of the device are basically glued in. So there's no way to easily get into a device without heating it up with a heat gun and, you know, kind of 
jimmying your way around these sensitive glass materials and and not knowing what you're poking at. So if you've ever seen a teardown video of a device that's waterproof, you know uh, what I'm talking about. Basically, it it makes repairability much more difficult for the consumer. Uh, You know, if you're a repair shop who does that every day, it's obviously not too big of a deal. But for the average consumer, um, it's not the best uh, as far as being able to repair it yourself. It's not impossible, but uh, a lot of things can easily be broken. So that's the one downside to waterproofing. I'm, I'm glad that they're doing it to save the device uh, from getting damaged, but it kind of just feels like they're doing that to, you know, save themselves. The manufacturers, it seems like something, you know, that benefits them as much as it does the consumer. So, yeah, I kind of go back and forth on waterproofing, but it is nice to have it. Uh, the next thing that he that Steve talked about in that video was uh, QHD and higher resolution screens so basically quad hd uh which is you know the super high resolution screens and i agree with what he said in this in the video about it about essentially anything over 1080p or full hd i think it is 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 good enough (laughs) for me uh i i honestly it's very hard to discern between quad hd and regular 1080p or so I honestly just think that and, and you know it is uh, he does mention in the video about how it can be used for VR purposes uh, basically virtual reality where you you know where you're sticking your phone into a kind of a headset and you know plopping it on your head and, and right in front of your eyes I can see how quad HD might be better for that um, but I don't know that that on a mass scale if that's <laughs> right now, needed Uh, i don't know if if quad hd is it's i mean i i don't know i i don't 1080p is good enough for me (laughs) let's just put it that way and honestly it's less you know intensive as far as battery use you know you don't have to output so many pick so many more pixels and all that you know i've i've talked in the past about battery life and uh the quad hd essentially is just another thing to uh drain your battery if it's not something that's important to you um, so if it's high on your list, obviously there's plenty of options out there for quad HD screens, but I, you know, there's also manufacturers who kind of get it and don't go that far down the road with the resolution on the screen. So 1080p, uh, for me is good. I don't even mind 720p, but, uh, I do notice the difference, you know, between the two. So, uh, I'd say 1080p is my sweet spot, uh, on a five inch or more display. Okay, so speaking of displays, the next thing he talked about in the video was uh, AMOLED uh, kind of versus LCD displays. And basically, uh, AMOLED is where each pixel lights itself. So basically, when the if and you have an image with black in it, you know, black and other colors, the black pic, the black pixels are turned off completely. Whereas on LCD, uh, it has a backlit, you know, it's backlit by a display. And so AMOLED has a lot of advantages because it, you know, as usually (laughs) the colors pop far more and it's, you know, uh, just looks really nice. AMOLED displays look really nice. But essentially my preference for screens is LCD displays. I've had AMOLED displays in the past. (laughs) I know this is a terrible example, but it's worth noting because 
it's you know it's my first my first experience with amoled was on the galaxy nexus and it was not a very good display it was really grainy and also had burn-in issues uh which was not cool <laughs> i i just do not like uh the, the idea of burn-in uh which is essentially kind of like ghosting of you know elements on the display where it kind of sticks around because it's burned in because it's been on the screen for so long so uh i do see the merit in amoled displays but i stick with lcd because i just want something that's consistent and looks right also if you uh <laughs> i know in my experience when i go into best buy over here in the u.s any display model phones that they have out that have amoled displays on them uh if the phone's been out for a while yeah just go up to one and check it out because sometimes i know i saw a google pixel 2 at the my, my local best buy that had burn-in on it you know and, and it did not look good i know that they were you know cranking the display to max for a long period of time but I just I don't want that to, you know, if, if the device is, you know, may turn out to be a, a device that I want to use for a long time. I don't want to have to have that issue. Uh, and vi I mean, I'm very visual with the interface and and all that stuff. I don't I don't enjoy <laughs> looking at any sort of burn in image on it. So and, and like I said, I saw that with the Pixel 2 at the local Best Buy I had a major burn in, you know, there was a big G. Uh, Google logo burned into the center of the display, no matter where you were in the, the interface. Uh, and in keeping with screens, uh, Steve, the next thing Steve talked about was uh, two by one screens or uh, is they it's like the the, you know, uh, two squares, <laughs> two squares uh, stacked on top of each other. Uh, basically, all of the kind of uh, not so wide, but tall and thin devices um uh this is uh, i don't mind it i don't mind it because uh i did have the lg q6 and that was a two by one display and in that form factor it actually made it was actually really nice i haven't i i've had hands-on with some of the bigger displays uh like the the galaxy s9 plus and it's you know it works i just think it, it it is a little bit strange looking i know the moto g6 this year has uh qu quite an oblong look to it uh it looks weird um not gonna lie it looks quite strange but that's kind of the way the you know the smartphone industry is going two by one screens are kind of where we're headed so uh and this is versus the 16.9 screens that a lot of devices most devices have these days i shouldn't say most devices i should say uh that most devices used to have or a lot of devices still do so the next thing that he talked about was biometrics and, and the types of uh biometrics that phones are uh, smartphones are implementing uh, like fingerprint scanners and iris scanners and face face unlocking uh, face facial recognition I don't use facial recognition I don't like having a pin although a pin isn't biometric so all right stay on topic stay on topic uh, I do like I said I do use the fingerprint sensor on the moto X on the moto devices those were that was my first experience with the fingerprint sensor was on a moto device and I think it's a super convenient way 
to log in to things. <laughs> so uh, into the device itself, I also have my banking app on there that allows for uh, fingerprint uh, login, which is really nice because typing out a username and password is not always fun. And so it makes a lot of things like PayPal and banking apps a lot easier. Although I did notice on my banking app, and it's a local bank here in, in Indiana, that uh, if I have more than one fingerprint registered on my thing in my device, uh, it will <laughs> it essentially will let you log in the first time. But then usually when the app relaunches later on, it's kind of lost the data or it runs into some error. If there's more than one fingerprint in there, it's like it doesn't know <laughs> which, what to pull up. So uh, right now I just have one finger registered on my device. That way I can log into my online banking. I'm going to have to write, write them about that and see if that's uh, something they're aware of. But yeah, biometrics, like I said, I don't use the face unlock stuff. I just, I don't know, it doesn't feel natural enough to me. The The, the fingerprint scanner makes more sense to me. It's a little... You're already hands-on with it, you know, you can use, you know, access it from, you know, no matter where it is, if it's in your pocket, if it's, you know, <laughs> on your desk. And I do like it on the front better uh, just for making it easier to log in because my phone's on my desk most of the time. So it's easy to just, you know, plop the finger on there and log in. And I'm not adverse to it on the back or the side, <laughs> although I've never used the side one, but I'm sure. Usually I just get, you know, I mean, like any other device, you get used to it. It's not a big deal usually. So yeah, biometrics, fingerprint scanner, good, good for me. All right. The next thing that he talked about was the notch. And I've talked about this in the past. I think I've, <laughs> I think one of my early episodes, I talked about the notch a little bit. I'm not against the notch. I just think it's, and, and we actually, I talked about this a lot too with Noah on uh, my episode with him uh, about, about not really, you know, eventually I think I would just not notice the notch and it. And then also it's kind of, uh, I think Noah referred to it as kind of a stopgap. Uh, just, you know, it's another step on the way to getting devices that are all screen. And it's just kind of where we're at. I mean, uh, kind of wish we didn't have to go through this transition of the notch, uh, that they could have gone just directly to <laughs> all screen displays. But uh, we'll get there. Uh, I mean, there's some phones that are trying weird things where the camera pops out of the top and slides up to the, from the top and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, some manufacturers can figure something out that would be, yeah, better than the notch. <laughs> so it's not a pretty thing, uh, but I'm not necessarily against it. And then the last thing and the most controversial thing, and I can attest to this because I've seen the Twitter conversations that Steve, is, Steve Litchfield has had about this subject of the 3.5 millimeter headphone jack and the fact that a lot of manufacturers are now removing it uh, after the um, iPhone 10 or no, it was not the iPhone 10 that decided that, man, I don't know what I was thinking, but uh, it was uh, the iPhone 7. That's when they when they took it away. And yeah, and I, you can tell how I feel about it, by the way, that I just said that they took it away, basically. Uh, and, and as Steve states in the video, there's a lot of reasons to keep the 3.5 millimeter headphone jack and not a lot of reasons to get rid of it. And I know a lot of people 
don't lament the loss of it, you know, and you do move on from it, you start using dongles and, and Bluetooth headphones and you just go about your merry way, you know, and you just then you start to not understand why anybody would want, you know, what's the big deal? It doesn't matter anymore. This is the future and stuff like that. But I personally just want a 3.5 millimeter headphone jack and I don't see any reason why manufacturers at this point in time should remove it because I believe that Bluetooth and and outside of maybe the Apple AirPods uh, headphones, I don't see any reason. I just don't think that Bluetooth and and wireless headphones are intuitive enough yet. So they are very good. And here's the thing too. Here's the the argument for me now for them to just please keep it is that it you can still use bluetooth headphones um you you can it's it's not like that you know it's one or the other with the 3.5 millimeter headphone jack you can still use bluetooth headphones so i just think that there's ways to what you know if you're worried about waterproofing they they make devices that are you know with waterproofing that have a headphone jack. The Moto X4 in my possession is a one case of that. And I and the thinness and the space and the device, I just, you know, I don't think that those are legitimate reasons. I think that Apple just wants to push, wanted to push forward a new way to do things for, and I'm just going to take a guess that it's for monetary reasons. And so I think that that's just I don't know. At this point in time, with the inconsistency of Bluetooth across the board, not talking about just AirPods with an iPhone, uh, across the board with devices, I think that it's a little bit annoying. So, uh, and there are, you know, there are situations where the headphone jack is needed. And I just don't, you know, until we get to the point where it's intuitive and consistent and easy to use Bluetooth headphones. I think that they should just keep that headphone jack. And uh, for those who think that it is intuitive and easy and as simple, you know, to use headphone uh, Bluetooth headphones as it is to use a wired headphone jack, you know that it's not. I mean, you hand somebody who's not into tech uh, a pair of Bluetooth headphones in their phone and you see how quickly <laughs> it how you can see very quickly that it is not intuitive. Um, I just don't think that I think there's a lot more work to be done before they can just say we're going to take away that that headphone jack. The reason I went over this whole list is because I wanted to uh, Steve summed a lot of good summed up a lot of good topics in the smartphone world today. And I just wanted to put in my, you know, get my two cents on the record in one place, you know, so uh, that's kind of why I went over all this. But with any of these uh, things that I've gone over today and uh, make sure to, to do check out the video that Steve made he, and any, and all the other phone show videos that he does. He's uh, I mentioned him in my YouTube, my favorite YouTube reviewers episode. Uh, and yeah, he's definitely got, he, he has the most insight and experience I think of any YouTube reviewer out there. So definitely go check that out. All right, so let's wrap everything up and let's, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's it for this week. I appreciate you tuning in as always. Uh, everybody has been super great to me so far 
And I am just really appreciative and grateful of that. So uh, visit pixelswim.com for all the show notes and to follow along. And if you have any feedback or just anything else, just uh, want to feel free to reach out and ask any questions or uh, provide any comments or anything like that. So I'm on Twitter and Google Plus. And again, you can find all those links uh, on pixelswim.com along with all the links for the show notes. So uh, yeah, thanks for tuning in and tune in in next week. Uh, This was episode 27. So we'll be doing episode, obviously, 28 next week. So uh, have a great night or afternoon or evening or fourth meal <laughs> all right if you don't know fourth meal it was a terrible advertising campaign by taco bell here in the u.s but anyway uh, have a great fourth meal everybody and uh god speed <laughs>